we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar, where your hosts, I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. And we got, we got a lot of lead better. Yes, we do. I'm up to my ears in lead better. Oh, no. Oh, God. I don't How know. How can you breathe? I, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. I, like, dude, I... I I don't know how this happened. Uh, I thought I, w- I thought I was reading a 250-page book biography of Ledbetter uh, by Mr. Gregory Tillett called The Elder Brother. Turns out what I was actually reading and basing my research off of was an 800-page doctoral thesis that Mr. Gregory Tillett wrote. I, d- I don't understand how this happens. I don't either. I, would, like, I really don't. There's a big discrepancy there. I really... And yet they're both hard to find. Yeah. And it's harder when you're looking at it on a digital format to, yeah. to tell. Yeah. And I think it, the website said, oh, this is a biography by Mr. Gregory Tillett. Right. And say mm-hmm. the biography written for mass consumption. Yeah. I'm up to my ears in lead better. You, you've gotten a, too big of a dose. I know. It's yeah. not good. So we're on to part two of CW Ledbetter. I don't know how long the series is going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it to three. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's. Any more than three is too much fucking lead better. Right. But it's important. It's it's important we all go through this together. That's, that's the only way I can do it is with all of you guys. Yeah. Because as we're going to start seeing in this episode, like this is why we're talking about this, dude. Uh-huh. We're going to start to see the connections back to fucking all the episodes we've done so far. How this dude's at the center of all of this. And you're going to see why I wrote all those crank letters. Yes. <laughs> it all ma- it's all going to make sense. Mm-hmm. We got to get right into it. Yep. But first. Yes. Terrible. Yes. I feel like we should get a designated nonsense bizarre tarot deck. Looks like the moon. Mm. Interesting. World of illusions. Darkness and fear. Yeah. The moon's a spooky card. It's the trump of Pisces. Can be. It can also mean something illuminating the darkness as well, but I'm I don't feel that way. I yeah. No, it's the moon's a spooky fucking card. Uh-huh. The artwork on the Thoth deck is some is my favorite artwork in the in the deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's well I like cool. the the reflective quality of it, how like yeah. the, the picture is mirrored in the bottom third. Yeah. It has the scarab and like the waves. Mm-hmm. Red and blue waveforms. Yep. Yeah, sp- spooky. Oh, I gotta hit the hit the cue right at the right time. Uh huh. You know? The spooky old moon, the terror of the darkness.
Okay. So Sequoia is going to the bathroom before we begin recording. Yeah. And as she's in there, I'm just on YouTube on my phone and I'm trying to think like, what would be a funny song? Like, what would be a good song? What's and a funny like, Ledbetter song? Yeah. And I was like, don't stop till you get enough. <laughs> so I looked it up. And as soon as he walks out, I put the song on and he's like, did you? Did, what? Because <laughs> I, I, I had already picked out Don't Stop Till You Get Enough as the theme song for this episode. Yeah. And I had teased it that I had a funny song picked out. Somehow we telepathically knew that that was the right one. And I guess it is because a, we both independently. I mean, it's a little on the nose. It. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Power. Yeah. I can't do a Michael Jackson voice. It's like one voice I won't even attempt. <laughs> Hell yeah. That was Sequoia that did that. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So where are we? Where are we? When last we left, CW Ledbetter. He returned to England. HPB had shat the bed. She's gone. Ledbetter went to her funeral. I'm sure she was rolling in her grave. And CW Ledbetter had been introduced to Mrs. Annie Besant. But he's still a nobody at this point. Yeah. He's... <laughs> He wants to be somebody, but he's living in this tiny little house with Janara Jadasa and his cat. And his cat. His like little one room. Also named Janara Jadasa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of weird. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's tough. Janara Jadasa is <clears throat> a weird fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. He continues to just be a weird guy throughout hmm. all this. Noted. Not good people. But Ledbetter's, you know diligently working for the Theosophical Society. He's uh, he's still the guy who answers letters to the yeah. Theosophical Society. He's patient. He's answering questions in the their various publications. Lucifer was uh, one of their newspapers, yeah. magazines, which is, I mean, I like it, you know. Right. But I can understand how some of the, some of the Christians might have been a little miffed. Was the full name Lucifer the light bearer? I don't know. Or I think it might have just- I think it might've just been a Lucifer. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty tight. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah. But at this point, Ledbetter had also started giving lectures in England and like the people who went to his lectures dug it. He was becoming a popular speaker. Well, he had that golden voice. Yeah. <laughs> Would you really call it golden? Yeah. I No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, in 1894. Beige. Ew. Yeah, it's a beige voice. Beige voice. Yeah, he's a beige man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In 1894, Ledbetter gave a lecture titled The Astral Plane, which would become the first of many uh, lectures Ledbetter gave that would be turned into a book. Yeah. Yeah. Janara uh, uh, Jadasa wrote that, according to Ledbetter, Master Coop, Kuhumi, was so impressed by the speech, he thought it belonged in the Hall of Records of the Great White Brotherhood. Yeah. Because, quote, this is from a master. The astral plane was an unusual production and a landmark for the intellectual history of mankind. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> landmark. Janar uh, Jadasa continued on. The question then arose how the manuscript was to be transported to Tibet to get to the great white brotherhood right this however did to know right but like presumably they already know right because like, it's in the akashic right like they've been there done that yeah like they could they already know they all could record it do we shouldn't question this yeah. too much yeah yeah they need to get the manuscript to tibet sure uh this is janara jadasa 
This, however, did not bother him because Ledbetter had certain occult powers which he did not reveal to others, though I have observed them on certain occasions. Mm-hmm. They took the manuscript, they tied it with a ribbon, they placed it in a small wooden box. A pile of books was placed on top since the key to the box had gone missing. So a pile of books is a good substitute for a Yeah, lock. right. Nobody will... <laughs> no, no, no. It's safe. Yeah. And Gennaro Jadasso hoped to have some sort of proof to offer of a real phenomenon, which I don't... You could take the books off and replace the books. Right. And the following morning, the box was opened, and not unexpectedly, the manuscript was no longer there. Uh, Gennaro Jadasso concluded, and quote... <laughs> My chagrin at losing the opportunity to prove a phenomenon was not consoled by being told by Ledbetter that I myself had taken astrally the manuscript to the master. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think it's just under his mattress. Yeah, it's just like just Ledbetter just grabbed it from a yeah. pile of books. It's just a pile of books. <laughs> what the fuck is this? What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, curiously, Ledbetter also wrote that in the astral plane, that forces on the astral plane can't affect physical matter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how he took it astrally to the mat. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. When in the manuscript that was under the books. Right. Yeah. Nah. Well, nah. Yeah. It was also in 1894 that Ledbetter started his whole, uh, it, it was a trick that mm, he'd become famous or infamous for in Theosophical Society. It's the whole past lives trick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wherein he'd tell you all about your past lives in great and excruciating detail. Mm-hmm. Right? And he'd use that to gain control over people and shit. Like, you know, if you were in good graces with Ledbetter, he'd give you the good past lives. Right. He got weird with it, though. We'll talk about that later. But in one case of a man named John Varley, Ledbetter used one of Varley's vivid dreams as his, like, jumping off point to go exploring his past lives. Right? Ledbetter looked up the dream on the astral plane. And he discovered that it had been a recollection of a previous life. It wasn't a dream at all. Yeah. What do you know? It was It was one of a previous life. And then through that life, he got to go to all the other ones. And he carefully tabulated each of the, each of the lives he was able to see. Uh, there was an average of 1,264 years between incarnations. Uh, an average lifespan of 55 and a half years. Mm. He got to see 17 lives in total. And the first three and the last seven of these lives were male. And the intervening seven were female, which I don't know if that's a cycle that could be random too. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, um, and you know, and what do you know? This wasn't the first time that any of them had met in a past life in India from 4032 BC to 3987 BC. Varley had been introduced to Ledbetter and Sinnott. They'd been sort of friends in their previous Were they lives. humans? This one, yes. Okay. Yeah. In Atlantis, 9,603 B.C. to 9,564 B.C., this Varley character had ignored the ignored the advice of his grandfather and lost his life when the continent sank. Mm. Yeah. Life 15, Greece from 520 B.C. to 449 B.C., Varley and Ledbetter were brothers. And uh, Varley was a, he was a, a sculpturist, uh-huh. a, sculpt, a sculptor. Yes. They- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he produced... They produced some statues uh, under the name of Kalamis, and oh, Ledbetter made a list of of these statues, which included a number of figures of Apollo. And like, you know, it was like, oh, this is what I saw in your in your past life. Mm-hmm. Um, and upon one of the statues was an inscription in Greek. And Gennaro Jadasa, in his account of these investigations, recalled, "Quote: 
I well recall C.W. Ledbetter copying out this inscription. He could make nothing out of it, though he knew a little Greek when at school. At this time, I was studying Greek for the London University Intermediate Examination, but I had not studied paleography, so this was above me. I took it to my professor, who was an ex-fellow of St. Peter's College, Cambridge. He read off instantly from the slip I gave him and gave the meaning, Callias, son of Hipponikos, makes a votive offering. Now, yeah, here's the thing. So, the, like, you know, the bit Ledbetter's trying to do is... Mm-hmm. I, How could I know I, this language? Right. Yeah. He had to study Greek for his examinations to become a priest. That was part of the whole, oh, you weren't educated, so you have to take these tests to become a priest. Yeah. Knowing Greek was part of the requirements. Right. Yeah. Yep. He just knew Greek and pretended not to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's tiring. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, man, ah, I don't, so many, it just shows, it just goes to show you. Mm -hmm. Don't take smarts to be rich. Yeah. Yeah. Little street smarts could have saved all these assholes. Anyway, you, do you know anything about the astral plane? Because I wasn't able to look into it. Oh boy, do I. Yeah. Okay. So the astral plane, it's kind of like a hodgepodge of, it's like, some people go there after they die. Um, most people go there when they're dreaming. Okay. There's there's a ton of different beings that you could find there, but okay. it's it's not a place. It's not a place. It's not a location. It is a state of consciousness. Okay. It's basically around us 24-7. Like, we're there right now. We just can't okay. see it. So this is the astral plane. Yeah. This is what people consider the astral, the astral plane. Yeah. It's basically like. I don't disagree. Yeah. You know? Okay. So within uh, the astral plane, which is not a place, it's a state. Yep. Exists astral matter and astral matter corresponds to our states of desire and emotion, basically. So like. So our emotional states become a type of matter. They can become matter there. Okay. It doesn't like. But there's also like. Uh, there's okay <laughs> see now we're getting in, into the weeds and i'm i don't have to explain these well remember yeah it's all gobbledygook it's true at a certain point it becomes nonsense right right so what's interesting is that hpb's writings are full of warnings about sure. the dangers of developing clairvoyance and yes. going to the astral plane yes yes, yes. she's like listen it's like these aren't her words but Basically right. along these lines, <clears throat> you wouldn't go backpacking and like plan a two week backpacking trip if you are not even a hiker. Right. Right. Like you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't yeah. just go out into the wilderness unprepared. Some people would and they die. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of like doing that. Like if you're going to explore these higher planes and like get into these super metaphysical detached from the material plane type things like you have to Gotta meditate. Fit. You got to be prepared for it because there's things there that we do not fully understand and will not be able to comprehend without proper knowledge. And if we don't know what they are, they can possess our weaknesses. Like in the physical life, we can draw these entities to us in the astral plane that will then hang out around us. And we don't we don't really want that because it's a. It's basically the upside down, like literally it's a place of reflection. It, It reflects our life. Yeah. And our minds. This comes into play a bit later because Ledbetter's still a nobody, but 
that was the first big criticism of Ledbetter. Yeah. Was that he was delving too deep and too greedily, right? Right. And he even acknowledged this and said mm-hmm. and he acknowledged that danger and shit. Yeah. But, you know, according to him, he had been studying with Master Coot and uh, yeah. Joe Cool. Um, right. For for a long time. And they taught her. He had done all the practice and shit. Mm-hmm. One quote of uh, Blavatsky's that I like is that subjective, purely spiritual mediumship is the only harmless kind. Hmm. And is often an elevating gift that might be cultivated by everyone, but only subjective, purely spiritual mediumship. Okay. Like subjective, like it's, it's for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you see is is for you. Right. And also she warns that like what you see there shouldn't really be understood as the capital T truth, right. but rather like a reflection of what the truth might be. It could right. even be like a distorted or opposite version of it. It's a place where everything seen and experienced are just these illusory images superimposed onto this non-physical reality. Right, right. Which stands in direct contrast to what Ledbetter was selling. He, so he describes it in a very sort of like travelogue yeah. type of fashion. But he also stresses that it's not a physical place. But the way he describes it is confusing because the book itself is titled like the astral plane, its scenes, inhabitants, and yeah, like yeah. what you'll encounter there, which right. makes you feel like you're going on a trip somewhere. Right, right. And then like he describes it- all these different things that and beings that you might see there. But he but he's describing things you might see there. Yeah. Whereas like that's things he saw. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like you you can't really Yeah, you can't necessarily be the authority for what someone else is going to see reflected in their right. astral plane. Although I'm sure in the theosophical view, there's a like different versions of the astral plane because oh. there's every like, everything split into like seven different subplanes that yeah, are experienced yeah, yeah, yeah. differently. There's probably like an objective astral plane and then a. I mean, it gets so splintered and so fragmentary yeah. so quickly because, you know. Although it is. So of the, the seven planes, the astral is the one like right above us. Like right. it's one of the lowest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one that's like. It reflects our emotional, mental capacities. Yeah. And this, you know, this is also like modern occult um, lore, I guess, is a, yeah. is a fine word for it. And it also doesn't start with Blavatsky either. Like the astral plane is a concept older mm-hmm. than all of this. It's just, the theosophists just kind of put it in their stacked hierarchy. and Right. Shit. Yeah. I don't know about like the etheric and mental plane, if that was a theosophical invention or if that was older. I mean, I know ether is older than... Yeah. Theosophy, but well, anyway, no one actually read HPB's books because it's too dense and people don't like to think now or then. Right. Yeah. So Ledbetter getting up there and telling y'all about what you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. Very popular. And it's like, you know, his book, it, it would lead you to believe that the things that you see there are from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And are like other separate consciousnesses from, from your own. And they could be if Maybe, this exists. Like, absolutely. I've experienced shared dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. One in particular that's super strange. Mm-hmm. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into it, but it is weird as fuck. I know other people who are very skeptical who also experience shared dreams that like uh, might be on team led better here with that. Uh-huh. I yeah. don't know. So like here's some of the the beings, the, the things that inhabit the astral plane, just sure. because this yeah, is yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the first category it's split into like the living and the dead, first of all. Yep. Those who still have a physical body and then those who no longer have one or never had one. 
there's the people that are just dreaming, of course. Yep. So like the living ordinary person, just you know, you're 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 there, but you're more or less not really ex- experiencing it yeah. uh, lucidly. There's the living adepts, the chelas, you know, the the powerful wizards and whatever that are hanging out there, ready to um. Yeah, the fucking nagwal. Hang out with you, yeah. yeah. Um, there's ghosts there. There can be um people there that are like awaiting reincarnation, that are waiting to get to their next life, or um just a regular ass person that just died and is like, where am I? Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's what's called shades and shells. The astral equivalent of decaying animate corpses abandoned yeah. by spirits who have ascended beyond the astral plane and just like left behind. Yeah. If if I'm remembering correctly, like the, the shells are like the ego. It's like the personality. Yeah. It's like if your personality was a set of clothes. Right. And then like, you know, base level elemental spirits come and like they grab it. Yeah. They wear the personality. Right. Yeah. Which and is of course, creepy as fuck. there's a <laughs> similar to the ghosts of ordinary people but animated by amplified and unresolved sensations, emotions, and urges. You can find victims of sudden death, violence, and suicide who kind of just like, yeah. Oh, they don't have the sort of decay process. Like right. the heart shuts down. Then you like, there's still shit going on in your head. And that's probably like the, the book of the dead, like the, um, the bardos and shit. Is right. Like they're, process. they're clinging on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the devas. Well, we're going to get more into the dead in a little bit. Yeah. The inhuman spirits of animals are there. You can like hang out with the spirits of some cats or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. elementals and creatures. There's um beings that ha- haven't been born yet that are just like waiting to have their mm. first incarnation. Oh, and I should say devas are um that's sort of the the Hindu version of the fae or the jinn. It's there. It that's theirs. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's, there's all, a whole bunch of shit. All sorts of shit there. Yeah. All sorts of shit. I mean, it's super fascinating, right? Like it's fun. Yeah, and kind of fun. And seeing this extremely charismatic dude given this talk about all these things, what he saw there, right? Right. People like it, and he also thought it could be used as a weapon in war. Oh, that you could like go into people's. That's for next episode. Yeah, yeah. It's trying to inception these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved war. Yes. He fucking loved war. It's real weird. Yeah. Horny he got for World War One, <laughs> but it was his way of explaining this that got him this reputation as this amazing clairvoyant and extremely powerful wizard. He's just imaginative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, Annie Besant after they had already met, but she heard about this rising star, right? This extremely powerful wizard, mm-hmm. the most practiced clairvoyant, and it led to she she called him up and they started developing a friendship. <laughs> I mean, they're, they are intertwined from this part. Yeah. This point out. In 1895, Annie Besant invited Ledbetter and Gennaro Jadassa. I mean, so is Gennaro Jadassa. He's, he's just there. Fucking there. Yeah. Um, she invites them he's to- being walked on a leash. Yeah. Dude, he, he even is continents away from Ledbetter and he's still, still just fucking- Yeah. Ledbetter's biggest stan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm using that right. You are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he stands Ledbetter. He does. He's the, one of the few- yeah, he really, really does. Um, so Bassan invites them to move in with her at the Theosophical Society headquarters. Mm-hmm. And together, they began a long period of occult investigations. Oh, yes, they did. Yeah. And Annie Bassan curiously said that she had no clairvoyant powers at all until she met Ledbetter, and then she developed them seemingly overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she learned that, like, oh, wait, 
Having a clairvoyant vision is just like imagining shit in your head. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I can yeah. do that. Like, well, I mean, but it, <laughs> it is so like, yeah, remember Ingo Swan. Yes. Remote, like, it's both though. Like, the imagination, you, you can very easily go into uh, AOL Drive, yeah, right? analytical overlay, uh, and it can spin you off it because you're imagining all these things and interpreting right. things, which is, it's just interesting. Hmm. Also, staying at the, at the, Theosophical Society headquarters. I'm just going to say TS from now on for Theosophical Society. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tongue twister. Yeah. At the TS headquarters, there's also uh, staying there a boy named Basil Hodgson Smith, described by another theosophist as Ledbetter's, quote, boy companion at the time. Good Lord. Many in the Theosophical Society already <laughs> said it again because I didn't write it, TS. Many in the Theosophical Society already did not like Ledbetter. They felt that he and Besant were changing the very nature of theosophy and that Ledbetter was, quote, persistently pursuing a very risky path of psychical development, as we said. And Ledbetter and Besant's occult investigations were, there was something else. Basically, they'd go off into the country with Jannar Jadas and his cat. Yeah. And they'd lay on blankets. Have a little picnic. Yeah. They'd lay on blankets and go into trance and compare notes. It's mostly Ledbetter's notes, but what are you going to do? And through this method, they discovered all the secrets of the world, past, present, and future. Yeah. They mapped the history of Atlantis and Lemuria and the civilizations on the moon. Ledbetter did most of the observing, with uh, Bassant adding an occasional detail. Mm-hmm. Ledbetter, uh, it was noted that Ledbetter worked from the Akashic plane, the higher mental plane, while yeah. Mrs. Bassant worked from the Buddhic I don't know where that sits. I think it's higher. I think it's under. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be. Have to be. Mm. Ledbetter's the wizard, you know? Yeah. The Buddhic principle, it's the channel through which divine inspiration <laughs> streams from Atman to ego. Atman being like, that's um, the highest Okay. Of the seven principles, the like cosmic self that is the same in every single person. Yeah, yeah. So it's the thing that like connects man to the divine. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that was Ledbetter's way of uh, charming her. Maybe. <clears throat> Saying, well, you're even on a higher level than me. Right. Well, they extended their investigations from lost continents, forgotten civilizations. Oh, she's like the spiritual fact checker. Ah, yeah. Yeah. They extended their investigations from lost continents, forgotten civilizations, moving on to other planets in the solar system. Because in the theosophical view, you move on, like civilization moves on from planet to planet. Mm-hmm. After this one, we're going to Mercury. Cool. Yeah. yeah they, they also saw four planets as yet unknown to astronomy as, as of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They saw that life began on Mars, moved to Earth, and would eventually make its way to Mercury. The more advanced amongst the human race in which... Into which category Ledbetter and Mrs. Passant placed themselves, and most other theosophists, had come from the moon. Uh, that's fun. Yeah. That's a fun idea. Better than the moon being fake. Yeah. 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 So from the solar system, they turned their, their third eye to the microscopic and began mapping the different periodic elements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They examined the elements in their atomic structure and discovered the ultimate physical atom. The smallest individual unit of matter. Yes. And they gave, uh, to this, they gave the Sanskrit term anu. Anu. Anu, yes. yes. And they realized it was the basic building block for all the other elements. Hydrogen contained 18 such units, oxygen 290, and nitrogen 261. It turned out that Ledbetter and Bassan actually came up, they came to different conclusions. 
Yeah. Ledbetter, it, this flummoxed Ledbetter until he realized that they had been looking at, he had been looking at the elements vertically and Annie had been looking at the element oh, horizontally. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, a diagram of the Anu was published. Critics claimed the diagram of the Anu bore a remarkable resemblance to a drawing found in Principles of Light and Color by Dr. Edwin Babbitt, first published in 1878. Mm. I think this might be when occult chemistry, occult chemistry might not have been published yet. It didn't come out until 1909. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It is later in the script. Mm -hmm. And from chemistry, the two fearless psychonauts turned their attention to thoughts and, and quote, thought forms. Oh, yes. The resulting investigations of which were published in the book, Thought Forms. (laughs) Yes. Which is essentially seeing people's thoughts and emotions, seeing the color of, say, murderous rage, which is a red-brown swirl. Yeah. Self-renunciation, a pale blue lotus. Sudden fright, a cloud of red-gray crescents. And at a shipwreck, a gray-brown cloud. Some musical effects had also been examined. Wagner produced weird pink mountains, or pink, green, and red mountains. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's like... I don't, I'm not sure that these are universal for everyone. Yeah, because when I listen to this, I'm not thinking of pink, red, and green mountains. No, I'm thinking of mosquitoes. I'm thinking of helicopters, but. Same, they're sky mosquitoes. They are. (laughs) Have you seen Apocalypse Now? No. You have to, dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Cool. It's fucked up. Actually, I kind of do see the mountains, that last little refrain. I could see, like, colors sort of, like, you know, rising up and shifting up. But, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. No, everyone's going to see a shipwreck as a gray-brown cloud. Right. I don't know. Throw some teal in there because it's the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Piece of shit. (laughs) 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 um yeah and you know there's also associated with theosophy as the concept of the tulpa Mm -hmm. which isn't it's weirder than a lead better joint i'd say tulpa yeah yeah, that's that's a blavatsky special i'm pretty sure is a tulpa blavatsky special i don't know is that a lead better joint i'm pretty sure that's a lead better yep yeah yep 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 yeah that's a lead better joint It's yeah. a lot better in Bassant joint. Uh, I'm thinking of Alexandra David Neal. She had, that? she was a theosophist <clears throat> who created a tulpa that was like a, a fat monk named Friar Tuck. Oh my God. And at first it was nice, but then it like slipped out of her control and started to be like really mean and sinister. So she had to do a lot of work to get rid of it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, William Walker Atkinson also wrote about Tulpas. He's the guy who's actually the three initiates who wrote the Cabalion. Mm. Yeah. Three children in a coat. Yeah, so thought forms. Tulpas. You got Tulpas. That's where yeah. Tulpas comes from. It's also kind of like a, a renamed version of HPB's idea of elementals. Yeah, and thought forms. And I mean, this is also, there is like esoteric Buddhist concepts that are the same thing yeah actually right it's really with like 
the Ledbetter and Bassant shit, that's the dividing them into classes. That's the really like mapping out in total what they are, what you can expect to to do and shit. You know, that's kind of what they do with all this stuff, right? Yep. Like none that they didn't really invent all of these things. Like they they end up mapping the colors that no, they just rename them and talk. Yeah, you know, one could say appropriate them. One could one might say that one might say that. And look, there's nothing wrong with taking what works and shit. There's something wrong with like saying this is what it is. Mm-hmm. This is all ever. This is the three classes. Three classes. Of, right. Like that's just silly. Because the whole thing about theosophy is that it it's a synthesis of a bunch of other shit. That's like, the whole thing. It doesn't thing. claim to be its own unique. Right. Thing. It's not. So it's not like, trying to be. If I said something like, "Oh, and this is like the theosophical concept," blah 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 blah. Right. 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 You have to understand that when that's said, it it doesn't mean that this came from theosophy and was born there right right uh it just synthesized into this version some things something else akasa yeah the akashic records that's theosophy right that came from there but akasa as they say is the same thing as prana and shit so the concept of akashic record um and prana was one of um Blavatsky's yeah. seven principles okay the pranic the yeah yeah yeah. breath of life uh in terms of like Ledbetter did invent aura reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just, the way we think of it now, he did invent that. Um, but they, Ledbetter and Bassan also mapped the colors that people still use to color the chakras, the seven chakras. Mm-hmm. They came up with those colors. On every diagram of the chakras you see, including those used by actual, by Indian people from India who don't speak English, a lot of them use the colors that were invented by Ledbetter and Bassant. Yep. Yeah, and... They didn't invent chakras, but every time you see a chakra chart, you think of CW Ledbetter. Yeah. You will now, at least. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like this idea, though. Like, when they talk about thought forms, it's described, like, as if every single person, when you live your life, you're traveling with this, like, room around you. Yeah. Like, basically, like, a, a cage of your own design, though. Yeah, yeah. And you're traveling everywhere with these forms and these colors floating around that are affecting your worldview like if you have a lot of selfishness sure or if you have a lot of like devotion to god that's going to alter this room around you which then is like the tower through which you view the world yeah so everything will have those those colors sort of tinging every experience which is true Right. It's just said in this like super mystical way, but. Right. Or said in this super literal way and led like. Right. Yeah. Metaphor, poetically, it's mm-hmm. true, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also wanted to touch quickly on how in their book, Thought Forms, it talks a lot about the idea of vibration, which you'll see a lot in like new age stuff. Uh, the, the idea that like your thoughts have different frequencies and vibrations. Yes. Yeah, that's a that comes from these guys. Yeah. That like you're putting out different frequencies and everything that you interact with is, interacts with your frequency and yeah. it's all like it's here. It's it's in thought Dude, forms. Yeah, and like think about the time period. Yeah. This is when radio was Right. Like, this was the in, in the advent of the radio. Which is exactly how you can think about the astral realm is like there's all of these different radio waves around us, yeah. right? They're all broadcasting these signals, these these songs, this information, and it's there. We just need the right device to tune into it and tune to that station, and then we can hear that song. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that song is there. And then when um, atomic theory starts getting developed, 
that's when you see into theosophy come these comes the idea of rays. Yeah. It didn't last nearly as long as vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But now we're going to go a little back, back to the terrestrial world. One of Ledbetter's other main interests and topics he wrote about at this time is the it was his theories on education and the proper raising of children, or rather, the proper raising of boys. Yes. Doesn't really mention girls. Well, you know, he talks about what he knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, his penned theories on education and his criticisms of the public education system in England and England at the time, well, right, they don't start off sounding all that bad. I initially wrote, they're not actually that bad, and then I read more. Yeah. So they don't start off half bad, but they get there. Okay. All right. I'm listening. <laughs> so Ledbetter wrote that young people were being misled by the ignorance and perverted by the hypocrisy of their elders and the inadequacies of the public schools. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was harshly critical of the public school in particular and educational methods in general. All right. He stated, quote, you want, do you want the practical result of 19 centuries of ostensibly Christian teaching is that our boys live among us as an alien race with laws and rules of life of their own. Yeah. And you go on to say how, like, essentially that schools were basically a a factory for capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just. True. True. Still exactly. true now, in exactly. my humble opinion. So that's how it starts off. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, well, no, actually, it gets even better for a hot, hot second. He believed that children should be listened to and talked to as individuals in their own right. Yes. Given firm but gentle discipline and encouraged to grow up into a carefully pre-planned mold. Okay. Mm. Last one. Yeah. As he commented. It is simply impossible to exaggerate the plasticity of these unformed vehicles. Wow. Moldable little boys. Yeah. We know that the physical body of a child... If only its training be begun at a sufficiently early age, can be modified to a considerable extent. Now, if the physical body of a child is thus plastic and readily impressionable, his astral and mental vehicles are far more so. So Ledbetter believed that not only was the physical environment of the child uh, super important, but the psychic environment was too, and that children could be damaged by the negative thoughts of those around them. Oh, God. That you can fuck up your kids by thinking the wrong things. <laughs> Technically true. Yes, in a poetic <laughs> sense. Yeah. However, that's not how, how, how these. However, these theosophists weren't doing a lot of drugs. Yeah, you know, they didn't get right. poetry of the thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, yep. Yeah, he goes on. If the parents themselves possessed the astral sight, it would, no doubt, be of great assistance to them in showing exactly what were the capabilities of their child. But if they have not that advantage, there need not, therefore, be the slightest doubt or question about the result, for that must follow sustained effort with mathematical certainty, whether the process of its working be visible to them or not. Basically... Parents who could, not, who could not observe the inner development of their children should accept the advice or even the direction of one who could. Listen to me. Yeah. I'm yeah. the expert. I'm the wizard. Yeah. And indeed they did. He began to take two or three boys under his special care and tuition, bringing them up in accordance with the best theosophical principles. I wonder, okay. He was especially interested in cases of difficult boys or boys with, unquote, difficulties. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, a lot of these boys that that were tutored under him, probably similar to like what Annie Besant 
went through as a, as a kid, which is that her dad died. Her mother couldn't afford to uh, take care of her. So she was like, you're going to go be uh, raised by this lady and learn under her. Like, I feel like the boys that come to him are probably in a similar situation. No, no, no. Yeah, so like rich families. Yeah. The theosophists. Okay. Um, yeah. Like it wasn't uh fucking AP Senate's kid anymore. I think we talked about that last episode. Mm. He started tutoring AP Senate's kid until wife abruptly was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like that situation over and over again. Okay. Yeah. It was the people directly around him. All right. Interesting. Yeah. That's what makes me so pissed about all these people at all. This- yeah. Because yeah. it was all the names you keep hearing. It was their kids that he was tutoring. Right. Yeah. In 1890, having heard of this rising star, the Theosophical Society in America put together a fund to bring Ledbetter on a speaking tour. A Ledbetter fund. The Theosophic Messenger, the American uh, Theosophical Society Journal, emphasized Ledbetter's special interest in the development of young boys, their training and education, and mentioned his involvement with the Lotus Circle and the Golden Chain, another theosophical group for children. His whole life, he's just been running kids groups. Yeah. And this tour would be the beginning of a long, very long, and extremely successful career as a touring lecturer. Man could talk. Yeah, and that's what he did for the next decade and a half. Over the next 15 years, Ledbetter would go from being a rising star in theosophy to being the star of theosophy. By 1900, Ledbetter was selling out lecture halls across the globe, and on his American tours, hundreds were being turned away from sold-out Ledbetter gigs. Selling out the stadium. Dude, straight up. Like, there'd be hundreds of people they had to turn away all over the U.S. Yeah. And, like, I just condensed 15 years. That's kind of how it's condensed. That's just kind of what the fuck he did for 15 years. Going around and talking. Yeah. And a lot of his talks would get turned into books. He actually wrote very few books. Mm -hmm. There's mostly his speeches that he got transcribed and turned into books. And as is common, such fame and adoration comes with the haters. Ledbetter's primary haters were, strangely enough, they came to be the leadership of the Theosophical Society of America, who started Ledbetter's speaking career in the first place. Fancy that. Yeah. See, there'd been a big old schism when William Kwan Judge, who was one of the three OGs along with HPB and Colonel Olcott. Who never gets mentioned. Because he just, his job was to be the legal guy. Right. But he, like, he was a founder. He just yeah. like, gets left out of it when it's mentioned. He was never at Adyar. Right. It was his job to be the legal guy. Right. Handling all the fucking legal jibba jabba mm-hmm. over in America. And that's just what he did. But he was a theosophical mind in his own right. And we just, I just don't know. He's just really not part of any of the drama. Yeah, no. <laughs> Good for him. And he's got the coolest name. William Kwan Judge. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Anyway, he died. <laughs> well, there was a big split when William Kwan Judge got accused of hoaxing letters from the master. A mm. common theme, a common refrain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he split from the Olcott and Besant controlled Theosophical Society at Adyar. After Judge died in 1896, control of the American Theosophical Society would go to Ms. Catherine Tingley, who hated Ledbetter and Besant. <laughs> Fucking hated him. Yes. On one of Ledbetter's tours to California, Ledbetter was left without accommodations because Tingley had told the hotel she'd have all American theosophists boycott it if Ledbetter was allowed to stay there. Wow. Yeah. Did Do we have a clear understanding of why she hated him? Well, she also uh, would tell, I believe this is, this is later on, she'd end up telling authorities in Australia about some nasty, nasty rumors. Okay, so she was in on the tea. She was in on the tea. Yeah, I believe she told the authorities in... Uh, England or America about 
rumors of immoral activity. Yeah. And well, we'll actually get to this. Well, um, but besides those rumors of immoral activity that already existed even now, there were other reasons for Ledbetter to be on the Theosophist shit list. Ah. It's insane that he wasn't on more shit lists. For one, as, as we've talked about at length, he was giving talks that directly contradicted not only his previous writings, but directly contradicted HPB. Yeah. For example, in the first few years of the 1900s, Ledbetter with Dennis Pettit, his new uh, his new boy companion in tow. He's always got to have one. Yeah. He uh, often lectured on the afterlife, heaven and purgatory, and told people that the spirits of the dead were all around us always, that ghosts were in fact ghosts. That the tricks of spiritualism were genuine communication with the dead, and not just the dead humans, but your dead cat as well, according to one letter he wrote to a grieving theosophist. Yep. And this stands like in direct contrast to HPB, who wrote that like ghosts were the shells. Oh yeah, she was yeah. like, you can't channel dead people. Right. Ghosts don't. Those deny. those are elementals animating the shells, the egos, yes. the cast off egos. Yeah, and remember, Ledbetter, that was one of the first things he said about spiritualism was that like he suspected it was discovery of a brand new force and shit. Right. Um, I got a quote from him. We are not separated from the dead, for they are here about us all the time. The only separation is the limitation of our consciousness, so that we have lost not our loved ones, but the power to see them. It is quite possible for us to raise our consciousness that we can see them and talk to them as before. And all of us constantly do that, though we rarely remember it fully. Not only is your cat not gone, but you're hanging out with your cat all the time. You just don't remember it. I do remember it though. <laughs> <laughs> Muffy's right here. Hell yeah. That's who knocked over my tarot cards. Last yeah. Time. Right. Yeah. Probably. The works produced during this period included man, visible and invisible. One of his bangers, the soul and its vestures, the other side of death, the nature of theosophical evidence, reincarnation, the life after death, purgatory, and the life after death, the heaven world. A lot of, yeah. A lot of life after death. Yeah, because, so, you know, Ledbetter knew that people would rather believe that the dead were still around than HPB's really disturbing view of it. Right. And now, again, I happen to agree with Ledbetter on this point. Mm-hmm. But that does, that's not what matters. Yeah. What matters is he's changing theosophy to suit his own ascension to power. Right. Which is all he ever fucking does. And it worked. I said, oh, he does. Yeah. Uh, the report of the American section of the Theosophical Society for 1903 announced that 70 branches of the society existed in America now, some of which had formed as a direct result of Ledbetter's work. Theosophical Society in Australia put themselves together, their their own Ledbetter fund to get him to travel oh and lecture there. Yeah. Yeah. They're literally raising Everybody money. Everybody wants to, to give this guy money. Yes. What the fuck? In 1905, C.W. Ledbetter returned to Adyar for the 30th annual convention. And we like, we covered a lot of years real quick. Mm-hmm. So like, this is, he's, he goes on his first tour in 1890. Yep. He's homies with Annie Besant, but he's, he's not a worldwide superstar. 15 years later, 1905, Ledbetter returns to Adyar for the 30th annual convention of the Theosophical Society. He presented a glowing account of his lecture tours to the assembled gathering and told all these fucking wild stories, all these colors, all these tales, all this. Oh yeah. I'm sure um, it was a grand old time. Yeah. And much impressed the 800 delegates from various parts of the world. He was the hit. Everyone had a great time. He was for a brief shining moment, king of the fucking world. A star. You're a yeah. star, baby. Everyone loved him except just a handful of assholes. She's handful so of lucky. She's a star. <laughs> she cries, cries, cries. And like, 
Annie must have been thinking, this is all faded. This is like, well, this is fucking wild. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the queen. He's my wizard. Right. Right. But only five months later, mm. some disturbing revelations would mortally threaten the career and reputation of Mr. C.W. Ledbetter. Oh my God. It's finally going to happen, right? He's going to get it. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> Long time coming, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, see, so Ledbetter was on a tour of India and staying with Annie Besant when Annie received a letter from an American, Mrs. Helen Dennis, whom Ledbetter had and Besant considered one of their friends. Annie anticipated another letter of praise and enthusiasm for Ledbetter's work in America because it was all... Ooh, another fan another letter. letter. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it concerned a boy named Dennis Pettit, who had been under Ledbetter's tutelage. Yeah. We mentioned his name a little while ago, but who had suddenly developed contempt for old Ledbetter. Um, and quote, she wrote, A few months ago, charges reached me of immoral sexual practices by Mr. L with boys, having been made in India and the same having been suspected in England. When the boy was again questioned, he testified that Mr. L had taught him how to practice self-abuse. That's jerking off. Yeah. When asked what reason he gave for teaching him such practices, he said, Mr. Ledbetter told me it would make me grow strong and manly. Asked the reason for concealing these facts for so long from his parents, he said he made me promise not to tell. Apparently, Ledbetter had been giving the boy masturbation lessons so that they wouldn't be tempted into the vile act of sex with another human being. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And a lot of people will argue that, okay, Ledbetter might have been kind of creepy, but really it's the Victorian morals of the time. Like, right. like masturbation was considered super evil. And just, oh, hold the fuck on. Because there's a lot people don't talk about with these. Yeah. Right. Helen Dennis wrote of other mothers of other boys. One is always 14, who upon returning from some trip or quote, private tutelage with Ledbetter, suddenly grew contemptuous of him. Happened quite a bit with quite a lot of people. Refusing to answer Ledbetter's letters and refusing to speak of why. Eventually, once the charges surfaced, the boy was again asked why and said, quote, with great reluctance, he admitted the facts of Mr. L's immoral conduct. And in reply to the question, when did it happen? He said, the very first night I visited him, we slept together. When asked what excuse Mr. L gave for such conduct, the boy's words were, mother, I think that was the worst part of the whole thing. Somehow he made me believe it was theosophical. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, yeah, it sounds like a fucking priest. Yeah. It sounds like this is what God wants. Like I'm going to manipulate your religious convictions. It's the same shit that happens in fucking every goddamn Catholic church from here to fucking moon. The letter was also signed by a whole bunch of American members. Like it wasn't just. Yeah. So people backing her up being like, yep. This wasn't a threat to reveal the information. Mm -hmm. This was notice. You're on the shit list. Right. <laughs> like, hey, just so you know, don't don't come crawling over to us in, in America. Nope. We don't want you. So Annie Besant replied to Mrs. Dennis, uh, defending Ledbetter's jerk-off lessons, how some boys are ruined by self-abuse and others by seeking immoral women, and how others are simply tormented by sexual thoughts which, quote, poison the whole nature. She suggested that nature provided for the re- relief of such torment by, quote, involuntary omission. But this left the boy subject to long periods of torment when the mind was full of unclean images. Ledbetter's view, she had determined, was that the natural process of discharge could be, ha- and I'm sorry, by the way, <laughs> the natural process of discharge could be hastened, though he said he would only recommend this in rare cases and after a careful diet, <laughs> exercise, and a, quote, rousing of the boy's pride and self-respect against yielding had failed. Oh, good God. He had told her that he had given, 
quote, the advice in only three or four cases, believing that it would save the boys from worse peril. I'm saving your life. Ledbetter had agreed not to give the advice again and offered to retire from active work. Mrs. Bassant opposed his retirement and urged Mrs. Dennis to understand that given Ledbetter's occult status, the charges made were an impossibility. Fuck you. Literally, he's such a powerful wizard he couldn't molest because that would make him a bad person and bad He didn't mean to do wizards. it. He's just trying to help. He, he didn't mean to. Yeah. This says nothing. She says nothing about this slept in his fucking bed. Yeah. Like, ah, Ledbetter himself wrote a very fucking long letter to Alex Fullerton defending his jerk off lessons. And here's the thing. This, that was all it was. Some weird old dude saying, yeah, you know, sometimes you're going to be tempted to do some dumb shit and it's better to just rub one out. That wouldn't be, as we call it in the old West, a hanging offense. Yeah. Jerking off's fine. As, um, as I heard a wise man once say, <clears throat> you can get hungry while you're out, but you eat at home. Yeah. Fucking grandpa said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a really stupid saying. Yeah. But, um, that's something you'd hear in an airport bar in 1956. Yes. Yes. But you could, you could apply it to, to this, to jerking. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, post clarity is a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. Um, so it wouldn't be a hanging effect. But like, okay, sorry for this, but, um, I didn't need to be taught about it. By anyone or like read about it or any, you just kind of no figure one it out. Does. You just figure it out on your own. No one's been taught. Yeah. Right. Like it's not necessary. It's not necessary or normal. No, it isn't. There's something else going on. That's exactly what's like creepy and weird about it is that you don't need to teach someone this. Check this out. So this is the same thing as the everyone's hoax and letters from the masters. Right. The liars poker with the, the master's leadership. The, the excuse of jerking off being a, immoral in this society mm-hmm. is this perfect fucking cover because they can make the argument about that. Right. Right. Which is a big fucking thing that like Jack Parsons and Alistair Crowley were fucking, I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know why I said Parsons name first. Cause I like him better. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I was thinking about the Parsons series we did and how fucking pissed Jack Parsons was at this very concept. Like the, yeah. the idea of sexual repression and shit. Cause this is what it fucking creates. Right. Anyway. It wasn't just about jerking off. The the Dennis Pettit wrote it in a sworn letter <laughs> expounding on what we heard earlier. Mr. Charles W. Ledbetter and myself occupied the same bed, habitually sleeping together. On the morning succeeding the first night that we slept together and before we rose to dress, Mr. Charles W. Ledbetter explained to me the, pr- the practice of masturbation and urged me to engage in the, pro- in the practice, giving as a reason, therefore, that it would aid me in overcoming any desire to have sexual intercourse with women, which desire, he told me, would develop in the course of nature at my age very soon. Mr. Charles W. Ledbetter also told me that the practice was recommended by his master and teacher for that reason and, and advised me not to speak of the matter to anyone. This reciprocal practice continued for the greater part of seven months. Reciprocal, reciprocal practice. Just think about what the fuck that means in this context. I don't like it. Nope. And we all know what the fuck that means. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Most Theosophical Society members couldn't or wouldn't believe that Ledbetter was a monster. But a letter to one of these boys was found in a home in Toronto, as were others. But the first contained a passage written in a cipher, a code. It's just very simple. They broke it very easily. Yeah. <laughs> it said, I am glad to hear of the rapid growth and strength of the results. Twice a week is permissible, but you will soon discover what brings the best effect. 
The meaning of the sign, here appears a circle with a dot in the center, is urethra. Spontaneous manifestations are undesirable and should be discouraged. Then the coded passage... A circle with a dot in the center. Yeah. Then the coded passage, which reads, If it will not come without help, he needs rubbing more often, but not too often or he will not come well. Does this happen when you are asleep? Tell me fully. Glad sensation is so pleasant. Thousand kisses, darling. Thousand kisses, darling. Fuck Ugh. you. It's fucking gross. It's so fucking gross. <clears throat> it's so fucking gross. And Ledbetter yeah, admitted- like, tell me all about it. Yeah. So fucking- it, it, uh, I want a five-page letter. It's awful. It's just fucking awful. Yeah. Ledbetter admitted that he recognized the letter, but not in its present form. He claimed someone had forged it. A black magician, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The American theosophists began making moves to have him expelled from the society. Besant tried desperately to pacify the Americans, but it was no use and it was decided that the matter should be brought to trial. Not criminal trial with like a judge, but a theosophical society trial, which we will now enact. Yes. Let's see. The, uh, the committee was Henry Steele Alcott, Mr. Sinnott, <coughs> Dr. Nunn, Bertram Keithley, G.R.S. Mead, Mr. W.H. Thomas, Mrs. Stead, Mrs. Hopper, Mrs. E. Ward. Uh, these last ones don't, but it, I only read those names. You're not going to say Miss Spink? Yeah, Miss Spink. There you go. Uh, and Mr. A.M. Glass. A.M. Glass is a good name. Yeah. It's like Morning Wood. A.M. <laughs> Glass. Um, and, you know, because these are just names we keep seeing over and over again. Sinnott, Mead. Right. You know. So it was May 16th, 1906. Ledbetter showed up. You know, he wasn't legally obligated because it wasn't a legal trial. But he was given the assurance that the proceedings would be confidential. And uh, here we are reading them. So let's see who who gets, I think Mead. Yeah, okay, Mead gets this voice. So Mead. The boy suggests in the most distinct way that the difference between Z, the other boy said to have been involved with Douglas Pettit. Douglas Pettit. Fuck. <laughs> the boy suggests in the most distinct way that the difference between Z, the other boy said to have been involved with Douglas Pettit. And you, was that in the case of Z? He spoke of these things. In your case, something was done to him. Nothing was done to him. You can't be suggesting what seems to be the obvious suggestion. You say the boy lies. He has misrepresented. I don't like to accuse people of lies, but a construction has been put upon, which is not right. Mr. Thomas, your reply as to scarcely recollecting suggests that there are so many cases. I would like to know whether in any case I am not suggesting sodomy... There was definite action. You mean touch? Mm, that might have taken place. You admit giving advice to more than the two boys. The second charge read that he does so with deliberate intent or with the promise of the increase of physical manhood. The evidence of these boys says nothing about applying to him for help. I want to ask whether this advice was given an appeal or not. Sometimes without, sometimes with. I advised it at times as a prophylactic. Miss Ward. I suppose from what you saw on the other planes. From what I saw would arise. Alcott. That is not within our discussion. Yeah, quit He's talking so about fucking, the astral plane. He's so old at this point, Alcott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking old. Has he, has he taught the same thing in the same personal way to grown-up men as to children? I believe that at least on two occasions in my life, I have given that advice to young men as better than the one generally adopted. Since you came into the society. I think not, but one case might have been. 
You're probably not aware that one, at least, of the great church organizations for young men deals with the matter in the same manner. I'm sure they fucking do, Ledbetter. I'm sure they fucking do. Yeah, right? <laughs> Shit. Which, which church organization is that? Fuck you. <laughs> You're probably Sorry. not aware, but... Oh, we're fucking aware. Oh, you piece of shit. Oh, I hate a priest. Do you deliberately say this? Yes. What was its name? Uh, I'm not free to give this. I heard of the matter first through it, however. Mr. Ledbetter states that there is an organization in the Church of England which teaches self-abuse. Is it, is it a seminary for young priests or a school? Finally, I don't know why I, did, don't know why I included that part. Um, so there's no answer. They didn't give the answer to that in the book. Well, shit. I want to know. I would like to know too. So Ledbetter leaves the room. The committee talks it over and they decide to accept his resignation. Although they were still divided over the issues of whether he should be expelled. Fucking expel his ass. What sort of publicity should be given to the case? Put it in the papers. Yeah. And what sort of official announcement should be made? Fucking make the announcement. Yeah, like if you have any fucking integrity as a spiritual system, Jesus Christ. Bertram Keithley commented, unless in some public manner the society is informed that Mr. Ledbetter is no longer a member, he will be visiting branches and giving lectures and picking up boys as he has done in the past. I cannot leave this room satisfied until I know that no member of the society can be taken unawares. We cannot allow there to be any doubt that Mr. Ledbetter has ceased to be a member of the society. So there's at least like there's a couple of good people. Yeah. Uh, the trial then concluded, Olcott, I should like to ask Mr. Ledbetter if he thinks I have acted impartially. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you ask that? Absolutely. If we should consider later, I can do anything. Let me know. <laughs> you mean to continue the course of teaching? Seeing there is such a feeling on the matter by people whose views I respect, I do not. So you stop with the jerk-off lessons, then? Uh, I guess I have to. Can you show me? (laughs) 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 Fucking Ledbetter's arguments then and later fell down when uh, they realized that he first admitted to giving the advice to pre-prebescent boys who had not sought it, and second, admitted employing some form of indicative action which might have included touch. Yeah, he admitted um, to it. It's not even a, like like he might have touched. He says yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's fucking. Yeah. Reciprocal fucking action, dude. Yeah. So. He gets kicked the fuck out. Uh, yep. Initially, Annie Besant was aghast at the trial, calling it insane and continued to defend Ledbetter, saying that that, yes, he should resign, but that she might also resign in protest. <laughs> and although he may not continue his teaching, so he could still carry on the work of the masters who are, and quote, so indifferent to the opinions of the world. Yeah. Ledbetter defended himself, said it was black magicians responsible for the fucking trial. My master told me it was okay. Yeah, he claimed, and this all, all the evidence made up by black magicians. He claimed that two of his most damning acu- admissions before the committee were mistakes made by the stenographer and did not constitute part of the original transfer. Yeah, nothing is his fault. It's no, there's no, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, he immediately cables Mrs. Passant and says, what work should I do now? Cannot do public lecturing. Burma, good. I should prefer to spend time in the tropic rather than in England. If there is any work that I can do, please let me know. I might be useful in Australia or New Zealand. Technically, my resignation from the TS removes me from the ES, the esoteric society, the inner order. But I can answer questions in unofficial unofficial capacity as friend. Yeah. Like his first fucking move. 
and she's with him. But once Ledbetter was gone, something happened. He went off somewhere. He had like fucking four houses across the world that he was just mm-hmm. around from. A lot of islands. Once he's gone, something happens and Annie Besant changes her mind. She uh, wrote a letter to the, to the society condemning Ledbetter and restating the court's opinion that he was, in fact, a sexual predator. Well, gee. And this should be where Ledbetter falls into obscurity. It should be. It should be. And everyone washes their hands of the whole dirty business. But it's not. It's not even fucking close. It's not even... It's not even close. Yeah. He... I'm just going to spoil this whole story. He wins. Yeah. He fucking wins. He's victorious in the end and he dies a hero. Yeah. He wins. Yeah. It's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Like, from, from his point of view, like... He lived a great life. He lived the life that he wanted. Oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Although he was in bed for a good chunk of that ending then. Mm-hmm. Like a whole bunch of years. Yeah. Diabetic as fuck. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. What does Ledbetter do while he's at these islands? What's his plan? <laughs> I think I have an idea. He sits quietly and just keeps writing letters to Annie Besson. God. Never acknowledges her betrayal. Just... These friendly, demure letters, real fucking manipulative letters. Like, and quote, You have been in daily contact for years with my astral and mental bodies, and you know they are not impure or sensual in the ordinary meaning of those words. And there are other higher things, too. You doubted the highest once, you remember, not unnaturally, but summoned up again and said at leave-taking, You will not think again that I am only a dream, will you? Can you have doubted? Can you have doubted again? He's just constantly reminding her of their friendship and their occult work together. Right. And it's so like, I feel like it's easy to manipulate someone on this front too. Like if, if she genuinely has a spiritual goal that, that she holds in high regard, yeah, like to manipulate someone through their faith is a good tool. Yeah. And to manipulate, like, cause it's like, not only it's like, don't you feel me? I'm around you all the time in these other realms. Yeah. Like, she can't really, like, disprove that. If he says he is, and he is, too, because he's writing her, like, every day. I mean, it's classic abuser shit. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It No, <laughs> like, Ledbetter absolutely abused the shit out of Annie Besant. Yeah. I don't think that absolves her. I think, she, no. like, you know. It, well, and on, uh, her first marriage, incredibly abusive. Yeah, absolutely. She was, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, like... She fell in, into that relationship pattern again with Ledbetter. She did. I mean, and it wasn't only Ledbetter. Uh, there's some characters I had to cut. Um, right. But there was this one, like, yogi that no one fucking trusted called Chakravarti, <laughs> who everyone thought was a black magician. Right. Who's just always hovering in the background around Annie Besant. Uh, George Bernard Shaw filled the role at, at one point. The mm-hmm. leading man, the guru, the older, although Ledbetter is actually younger. Yeah. Said he was the exact same age. But a big, strong man teacher figure right there's always one yeah it's a pattern and you know she exhibits a lot of symptoms classic uh, classic symptoms of you know surviving abuse and fucking emotional trauma and shit right she does i also think and we can touch on this more in the next episode but the fact that her two children were taken away from her as well right right, right. um i think in terms of like her adopting krishnamurti and all of that i think maybe she was seeking to maybe like Get what she wasn't able Dude, to experience. We will talk about that next yeah. episode. That's the that's another part where fuck Annie Besant. Yeah. Like yep. holy shit. 
But yeah, that's that's for later. She was damaged, but it doesn't excuse her actions. Right, exactly. It explains a lot of them. Yes. But it doesn't excuse them. He's also doing another thing he loved doing, which was shit talking other people. <laughs> oh, I bet he was really good at it. Oh, yeah. Well, he put... Yeah, he was very good. But this is more manipulation, though. He, he suggests that, you know, Annie's doubt is because of black magicians. He writes a letter to Annie about Helen Dennis, the woman who first sent the first damning letter. Mm-hmm. Right. Mrs. Dennis's attitude is a mystery. I have tried to reach her astrally, but it is useless. She gives me the impression of a different person altogether. Does this seem to you also? I do not like to make the suggestion, and I shall not hint a word of it to anyone but you. <clears throat> Secret insider information. But the truth is that it seems to me a kind of half obsession that Mrs. Dennis that I, the Mrs. Dennis that I used to know would not have behaved as she has done, even if I have committed the crimes that she appears to believe. She had not such bitterness and rancor in her. Okay. It's so fucked up. He's like gossiping about like. Like, it's brilliant manipulation. I'm not going to tell anyone but you. Right. Like, this is just going to me. She's going to. His plan is for Annie to be the mouthpiece. Yeah. Annie thinks she's getting let in on... She thinks, or maybe she wants to think, that Ledbetter is is this wizard aloof from the world who sees these things right. and trying to make sense of the whole because madness. Because if she accepts that he isn't... And that a lot the things of things fall apart. A lot. A lot of her most important works fall apart. Yeah. Because, and then she has to admit to herself and to everyone else yeah. that, oh, wait, I, maybe the accuracy of that stuff is now being called into question. So I, I think that the, sh- the shell around like her, her belief is strengthened by the fact that she, she can't pop that bubble. You can though. She has a way out. I'll tell you yeah. what the way out is. And if I was her Henry Kissinger, this is what I would tell her. Yeah. Okay. You're going to lose some money. You're going to lose some followers. Right. This is what we got to do. Ledbetter's black, black magician. Mm-hmm. He's the example of a black magician. He's the proof of all of this shit. I was under his spell. A lot of the things we wrote turns out they're wrong. I was under the spell of a black magician. So you have to, you do have to put the ax to the last bunch of books you wrote. Right. Right. Then you go fundamentalist. You go back to HBB. Right. The Ledbetter is the example of the black magician. It's your only out and you can do it. I just don't think she can admit to herself that like no, she was the, wrong. That's the thing. She can't admit yeah. to herself. Maybe. I haven't read enough about her to make a judgment. It's. I think that it might might be part of it. That's like, that's definitely a door that Ledbetter can slide through to get to her. It's also important to not make the mistake of thinking that every person in a story is as manipulative as the manipulator. Mm-hmm. Most people just stumble through. Yeah. Ledbetter doesn't stumble through. No. And we can't apply the same type of calculus. We can't We can't give everybody else the same powers. Right. Right. Yeah. So over the course of, um, yeah, it's one fucking year. Yeah, it just takes one year. It takes one year. Annie Besant's on Ledbetter's side again. Probably one year and many letters. Yeah. Constant. Yeah. Constant letters. The exiled prophet had managed with just his pen to rally his forces around him and let them come with come to the conclusion that he should be given his crown back. Mm-mm. So the whole Ledbetter question started tearing the society apart after it was revealed that, you know, the higher ups were associating with Ledbetter again. Yeah. Um, because Ledbetter was, we must remember, like the best worker the Theosophical Society ever had. He worked his ass off. Yeah. He was enormously popular and he put asses in seats. He did. January 1907. 
Henry, Colonel Henry Steele Alcott. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. You still like me? <laughs> no one ever did. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he was on his way out and he was preparing Annie Besant to take over as the president after he died. Annie Besant's not the president of the Theosophical Society at this point. She's the president of the Esoteric Society, mm-hmm. which is the inner order. The HPB started after HPB got some unfortunate letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Olcott had begun showing his own softening opinion of Ledbetter through acts like readmitting Janara uh, Jadasa, who resigned in protest, um, and apologizing for the great disservice that was done. Oh, come on. Yeah, dude. Then he wrote Ledbetter a letter, writing, From his deathbed. Olcott's words. Henry Steele Olcott told Letter that he had been visited by the masters Moria and Kuhumi in their physical bodies with witnesses who told him- In the flesh. In the flesh, who told him that Olcott was right to convene the trial. Ledbetter was right to step down, but only because Ledbetter's teachings went against the conventional morality of the time. If Ledbetter were to give his solemn vow that he'd stop with the jerk-off lessons, Olcott was sure the masters would let him back in the society. Will you just pinky promise? Just pinky promise you won't jerk any more little boys off? The masters also argued that theosophists ought to shield one another from, end quote, being held up unnecessarily to general public condemnation and ridicule. Mm. The masters, <laughs> Uhumi and Moria, continued to visit the colonel, now accompanied by the master Serapis, until the colonel's death on February 17th, 1907. And let's sit on that for a fucking second. Henry Steele Alcott, one of the founders of the Theosophical Society, one of the most important people in Western spirituality. Yeah. Full fucking stop. Like, not the most, not a prophet, but Theosophy is a big goddamn deal. Mm-hmm. He was HPB's, his boy Friday, her boy Friday or whatever the fuck. He made the shit run. Yeah. The person who actually made the group a thing and not just the vodka drunk ramblings of a can- cantankerous Slavic lady. Oh, who yeah. did more for theosophy than anyone else is reduced on his deathbed to faking visits from the masters so that CW fucking Ledbetter doesn't have to be ostracized from the society for molesting children anymore. How the fuck did this happen? Oh, I was imagining a version of the story where Ledbetter like convinces some guys to pretend to be Kuthumi and Moira and like show up to Alcott in his like or maybe Basant did super, yeah maybe right? Janara Jadasa like, did we were real this whole time yeah maybe and, and like imagine being Alcott like laying there just being like what the fuck <laughs> like, well here's the thing dude I mean I doubt that's the case but that would be a fun Here, here's the thing I I'm not sure I do doubt that's the case look if Janara Jadasa was not being molested by Ledbetter. Uh-huh. And he was with Ledbetter the whole time uh-huh. and was his closest fucking dude. Yeah. He either knew about it or was in on it too. Right. Like there's, he has to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He has to fucking be. Well, because they all know. Mm-hmm. But they slept, they lived in a one room house together. Right. Right. I could totally see Janara Jadasa like organizing some shit with some Indians back home and stuff. And like, oh yeah. I just like, hey, show, up, some show up to this old guy. Tell him that like he wronged me. <laughs> yeah like, yeah like here's better. this i mean he could even say like i need you to pretend to be the masters because they were known quantities and shit and right if you just need to know two fucking shady dudes right yeah which he did because he grew up there right yeah oh no he was from ceylon but he spent because i could see because i'm like how did why why would alcott have have this change of mind and so i get you know you're at the end of your life maybe you're going through like i should just forgive everybody but i think it's because of if this visit was 
real and two physical people really showed up pretending to be the masters, perhaps that could have like sparked a a change, a yeah. complete paradigm shift. Cause it would be like, wait, what? I'm going to say it's either that or Olcott was a complete piece of shit. Yeah. I kind of, I hadn't thought of it before. I kind of leaned towards a faking. Yeah. Hoaxing. But I wouldn't be surprised either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. But yeah. Someone could have just fucking paid a couple dudes. Right. It seems like before a certain point, no one knew what stage magic was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can lie to people on the internet. Like it was like stage magic was more unbelievable than fucking actual sorcery. Right. Right. It's weird. Well, because people don't want to think that they're that dumb. Right. That like they could be tricked so easily with such simple tricks. So it's almost easy to get away with them. Yeah. Yeah. So the masters also allegedly told Colonel Alcott that they wanted Andy Besant to be the next president of the society. Senate, AP Senate vice president at the time, thought that Annie Besant was misled by dark powers. Which is so interesting because the whole reason she got into any of this is because she found a copy of the occult world by Senate. That's the reason Ledbetter. Oh, I read that it was how Annie got into it. Wait, really? Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) Then maybe that's not how Ledbetter got into it. Yeah. Because all that shit, this is a thing, this or this is a thing. A lot of that shit from his early life that we talked about, not the ridiculous story of the like, not the ridiculous Brazil story. That was mm-hmm. layer one of the shit. Well, he could have just stolen Annie's story. Right. Well, because the <laughs> other shit, the stuff that's supposed to be true. Yeah. Well, I mean, that all, like, a lot of that comes from uh, Gennaro Jadas's biography of Ledbetter. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. we have no idea of knowing if a lot of that is true at all. Yep. Yeah. Ledbetter was in correspondence with Senate. And uh, to show what, just what wonderful people all of them are, Ledbetter, Olcott, and Senate, Senate are all in their correspondence correspondences with each other just talking shit about everyone else like Ledbetter's writing to AP Senate about like how tyrannical and fucking arrogant and naive Annie Besant is and shit like they're just talking shit about everyone else in all of these letters and like in like the worst way like the most demeaning belittling literally like that scene from Mean Girls where they're like on the phone I don't know okay Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah like February 16th, 1907, Ledbetter commented in a letter to Senate that Chakravarti, that dude we mentioned earlier, was not an advanced initiate and was not attached to any master we know. Senate on July 5th responded by noting that there were cunning black powers at the back of Mrs. Besant. This is, Mrs. Besant already got Ledbetter back in good graces. Mm -hmm. The fuck? Senate criticizing uh, Ledbetter's ready acceptance of what had come to be known as the Adyar manifestations of the master. Noted that the supposed masters were unclear on the question of, quote, your behavior with the boys and commented on Ledbetter's, quote, evasion of any repudiation of your famous teachings. (coughs) So Senate's fully aware and he's just doing business with them. Yeah. Piece of shit. It's politics. It's just politics. Right. Um, Ledbetter on October 27th. He's also like, so the masters didn't have anything to say about that, huh? Yeah. 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 (laughs) But he's like. But it's so sarcastic yeah. and snide and he's like, he's, he's taunting him. Right. Still letting him, letting him be. Mm-hmm. And this is the dude who um, ran the largest uh, English language newspaper in India uh, when he first joined the Theosophical Society. Yeah. So he fucking sent it new people. Although his, uh, his, his politics got him on a couple shit lists eventually. Not the worst politics. 
as far as British people in hmm. India at the time. Well, Ledbetter on October 27th declared that he had not changed in any way whatsoever as a result <laughs> of the, quote, severe test, and that he never for a day lost continuous touch with the masters. He believed, he believed that Mrs. Besant was suffering from a glamour. Sinnott, however, diagnosed her problem as megalomania. Hmm. Yeah. On June 28th, 1907, Mrs. Besant was declared president of the Theosophical Society, having received an overwhelming majority of the votes. Of the 12,984 members, 7,000 had voted for, 153 against her, and 5,760 had not voted. Nice. By August of 1907, Ledbetter- you think Ledbetter was jealous? Um, or do you think he was happy to, to work well, in a less official capacity? Oh, no, he didn't want to be president. Yeah. Puts a way too big a target on your back. Mm. He doesn't want an official job. Right. And at this point, there would have been no chance. No chance. So by August of 1907, Ledbetter and Bassant were working together again, taking up their psychic picnics in the forest. This is a fucking year and a half after the trip. Just like old times. Yeah, except it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like last week. I got people I consider my, some of my best friends who I haven't seen in a longer period. Yeah. You know, Ledbetter was writing articles for the Theosophical Messenger once more, which infuriated a lot of people. So that was put to a vote whether he should continue to write. The vote was 1,245 in favor and only 285 against. Mm. Pieces of shit, a lot of them. Yeah. Jesus Christ. In addition to the discoveries in the scientific field that Bassan and uh, Ledbetter are making. And remember, this is when like the actual book version of Thought Forms and stuff gets published. Yes. Like they had started those investigations <clears throat> before, but this is when those books start getting published. Yeah. Well, Ledbetter also discovered, quote, discovered some of the evidence upon which he had been charged in 1906. A copy of the famous cipher letter was sent to him, together with the name of the boy to whom it was allegedly sent. Ledbetter commented that he feared it was not a copy of the original, but one in which the words had been, quote, transposed oh, to distort their meanings. Up. Give it up. You've been forgiven. Give it up. Quote. It is on record in the archives that at least one person was sure that the cipher letter was not a correct copy of the true original. Fuck you. Yeah. Dr. Weller Van Hook, inspired, so he said, by the masters, issued a series of letters in support of Ledbetter, calling for his re reinstatement. The first of these appeared in April 1908 and was titled, The Enemies of Mrs. Besant are the Enemies of Charles W. Ledbetter, of the Masters, and of the Future Religion of the World. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Van Hook went on we to- We got another Stan. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got some ulterior motives we'll learn about. Okay. Van Hook. Yeah. Dr. Van, Dr. Van Hook. I believe he's gunning uh, for his his kid ends up being the um, first promised world teacher before no. he gets kicked to the curb. Uh-huh. Hubert. <laughs> world teacher can't be named Hubert. Yeah. Sorry. Van Hook went on to note that Mrs. Besant was following HPB in insisting that the society had a role in the establishment of a new world religion and further to encourage acceptance of the validity of the evidence furnished by sixth sense perception and the fact that, quote, all religions have their esoteric occult side to encourage acceptance of the validity of the evidence furnished by sixth sense perception. The psychic evidence. Ledbetter says it's in the fucking archives. It's in the fucking archives. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I said so. And if you're our enemy, you're the enemy of the masters. Yeah. Woo. Real authoritarian real quick. Yeah. Yeah. This is from uh, ostensibly what the masters said. Mm-hmm. To some fucking asshole named Van Hook. There's a shitty son named Hubert. Dr. Van Hook. Thank you. Uh, 
No mistake was made by Mr. Ledbetter in the nature of the advice he gave those boys. No mistake was made in the way he gave it, nor did he make any mistake in the just estimation of the consequences of any other solution of the terrible problem which was presented to him. Okay, pause right there. Sure. No problem was presented to him. Nobody asked for his help. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. If any mistake was made, it was a mistake of judgment in trusting too much the confidence of the parents of the boys who, he thought, knew and loved him so well that they would accept his judgment on matters about which ordinary people have little or no knowledge, and about which he, by the nature of his occult training, had a full comprehension. Oh yeah, blame the parents. Yeah, blame the parents. Like, it just, it sickens me how many people were willing to, um... Like, justify these yeah. acts. I mean, it happens now. Yeah, I know. It happens fucking now. I know. It's really gross. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fucking, that movie Spotlight does a good job of showing. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? It's a bit, yeah, about the fucking, the, the priest in Boston. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. It's not something I'm going to throw on on a Saturday night. No. But, yeah. Uh, but it shows, it does a good job of showing that there's these fucking levels of, covering of, of what uh, i'm not sure the right word i know there's a right word but i i'm i'm missing it mm-hmm. uh, enabling I yeah guess. yeah the american theosophists were generally very impressed by these oh yeah i have more oh no no no, no. i read all that. the american theosophists were generally very impressed with these letters and took them very seriously they had already been warned by Janara jadasa of the dangers of opposing the work of an of an initiate uh, in the Theosophical Messenger for July 1908, he noted that such opposition would lead to complete loss of occult privileges for three or four <laughs> lifetimes. <laughs> you, you're losing your privileges. Yeah. No occultism yeah. for you this lifetime. No met for three or four lifetimes. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. Keep it up. It'll be five lifetimes. So this is like, we see these tactics again and again. Like this is cult shit. Yeah. This is straight up cult shit. At the annual convention of the British section, a motion allowing for the reinstatement of Ledbetter produced violent arguments. Good. Herbert Burroughs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, this isn't all the theosophists, especially the American theosophists are looking at all this shit going, what in the living fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Herbert Burroughs drew attention to the discrepancies between the masters talking to Alcott and the masters dictating to Van Hook and demanded that, quote, the last vestige of this foul teaching, which audaciously calls in the masters to its aid, must absolutely disappear from the Theosophical Society. Hell yeah. Burroughs was supported even more vehemently by G.R.S. Mead, who declared that the Theosophical Society was on the brink of an abyss. Nice. I'm glad I remembered his voice. Into which it would be inevitably plunged if an imperative hope is not instantly called. Annie, for her part, had this to say. The so-called trial of Mr. Ledbetter was a travesty of justice. He came before judges, one of whom had declared beforehand that he ought to be shot. Another, before hearing him, had written passionate denunciations of him. A third and fourth had accepted on purely psychic testimony, which didn't you, aren't you all about the psychic testimony? Yeah, right. Aren't you all about the fucking psychic Unsupported by any evidence, aren't you all about the fucking psychic testimony? Yeah. <laughs> Unsupported by any evidence, the view that he was grossly immoral and a danger to the society. Oh, oh, there's no evidence that he's a danger to, right. to anyone. Mrs. Besant concluded with the assertion that the trouble was confined, quote, to a small number of American and a considerable number of British members. She called upon all the members who had overwhelmingly voted for her as chosen by the masters to lead the society to accept her direction. Mm. You, you voted for me. I'm chosen by the masters. Yeah. Accept my leadership. 
eventually they voted. About Ledbetter coming back? Mm-hmm. 23 out of 25 for the general motion regarding liberty of thought. It was it was about like, you know, well, the thought of the teachings. Yeah. It's the jerk-off lessons. Like, he's not a criminal just because his... Just because he believed that that was right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's conventional morality. We're against conventional morality. It's not about the fucking jerk-off lessons, you know? I don't know. I'm not quite phrasing that right. But it was 21 out of 24 votes for Ledbetter's reinstatement. So only three against. Yeah. Okay. I assume GRS Meade and Herbert Burroughs were two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Curiously enough, in the light of later events, the council also resolved um, that belief in the Mahatmas was not obligatory and that the Theosophical Society remained neutral as to authenticity or non-authenticity of any statements issued as from the Mahatmas. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So basically they're issuing a blanket statement being like, hey, uh, all any anything from the Mahatmas um, may or may not be true. Right. That's our official stance from now on. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great to exist in that vague space. Now, while the Theosophical Society was reeling from these arguments, arguments which would shatter once and for all the cohesion of the Theosophical Society, Ledbetter was characteristically nonplussed. And he framed the whole thing as one of the many faded trials that a great occultist had to endure, stating, It is one of the features of the fourth Arhat initiation that the man shall be left alone entirely. First, he has to stand alone on the physical plane, all his friends turn against him through some misunderstanding. It all comes right afterwards, but for the time, the man is left with the feeling that all the world is turned against him. Ledbetter also... So it's, it's an initiation process yeah, that's happened. It's the fourth initiation. Yeah. Ledbetter also... You gotta be canceled to, to move up the initiatory planes. Yeah. And some of that sweet Alex Jones crypto cash. Yes. Ledbetter also had to endure the evil thought forms which his enemies directed towards him. Which I'm sure there were many. Yeah. In most cases, he told his pupils, the thought forms had been so weak as to provoke nothing more than amusement or pity in him. Sometimes, however, when they were really unpleasant and he did not feel they should be allowed to wander about, he would transform them through his own power into positive and good thought forms, sometimes sending them back to their originators in the hope that they might be inspired with brotherly love. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an idea that survived. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ledbetter arrived back at Adyar on February 10th, 1909. The place had changed significantly since he'd been gone. More acres and gardens had been added. There was a Annie Besant garden now, you know. There was a Blavatsky Row or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ledbetter wrote, Nowhere else in the world at this present moment is there such a center of influence, a center constantly visited by the great ones and therefore bathed in their wonderful magnetism. The vibrations here are marvelously stimulating, and all of us who live here are therefore under a constant strain which brings out whatever is in us. Strong vibrations from other planes are playing all the while upon our various vehicles, and those parts of us which can in any sense respond to them are raised, strengthened, and purified. So he's just walking through the gardens, raising his vibration. Oh yeah. Vibes, bro. Sunlight just feels good to be outside. At this point, Annie Besant had begun her to work on her concept of the coming world teacher, the embodiment of the great Lord Maitreya, who had previously taken over the body of Krishna and Jesus, 
just to name a few. Besant's leadership of theosophy was quickly becoming millenarian and eschatological. Yeah. We, yeah. We're, we need a messiah. Yeah. Making a messiah. Ledbetter quickly settled back into the theosophical society life since he was only gone for a couple of years and yeah. was never really gone. He Fuck. basically never left. Yeah. He basically never left. Yeah. Yeah. But he got back to writing letters, teaching his pupils, and once again meeting young boys. One young boy in particular, an Indian boy, the son of a man who worked at the Theosophical Society Manor, a boy by the name of Jidu Krishnamurti. And that's where we're going to stop. That's where we're going to leave it for this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. You might know the name Jidu Krishnamurti. Yeah, I suspect many will. Yeah. yeah and many yeah, yeah. won't. And many won't. He is... He's one of the first people you you look up on YouTube when you start smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the first people you, or if you're slightly older than that, uh, when you smoke weed at college for the first time, he's one of the dudes, the kid who gave you weed turns you on to. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the moon. Oh, uh, yes. The moon. The moon. Reflections. Illusions. Manipulation. Illusions. I want to put it... On the layers of bullshit enabling that all these people do. Yeah. It's these layers of liar's poker and all this shit that... Mm-hmm. Because, like, let's be honest. You really think none of these dudes are jerking off? Yeah, they all are. Of course. <laughs> They'd all be murdering all the time if they weren't. Right. Yeah. So they all know that all this shit about self-abuse is bullshit. All of these people, not just the dudes, they're all jerking off. Everyone jerks. Yeah. Like... You do this shit, these layers of nonsense, and they're thinking that, because they're thinking that no one else is, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it creates this perfect dark cloud from which a dude like Ledbetter can just take control. And can just do his thing unpunished. Yeah. yeah. And he's always in the fucking shadows, like, or he's not in the, sh he keeps himself, he's in the spotlight, but like, yeah, off to the side a little bit, like, right. he's second he's, on the He's not center stage. He's Edna Ballard. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I take all the fucking heat, you know? Annie takes all the heat because she wants the power. She wants the certificate. Right. That better must have fucking... He must have thought so little of Annie Besant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's ugly. <laughs> yeah. Those two people who are in such close proximity had and a very she, different perception of the relationship. She didn't think little of him. No, she did not. Yeah. That's sad. It is. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I that's was like, super Damn. sad. Yeah. Yeah. I And, you know, the moon is also the trump of Pisces, mm -hmm. which is mutable water, mutable emotions. Pisces is often described. I don't like this description of Pisces, but just it can turn into all of the other signs when it needs to yeah. flow through all the other ones. It's also a very psychic sign. Mm -hmm. Ledbetter, February 7th, 16th was his birthday he pretended to have. Just yeah. quite, that's not quite Pisces. Right. It's close. It's right on the right on the cusp. I yeah. He had he had a gift for knowing what other people wanted to hear, which is what made him a good lecturer and a good manipulator. Definitely. And in a way that that's to me, I think that's a form of being sort of psychic is to have a, a good read on people enough to know what to say to influence them. He was also mutable and changeable enough that like a pool of water or mercury liquid mercury. Mm -hmm. He could just absorb whatever was thrown at him. He wasn't reactive. Oh, yeah. He didn't fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons he got so far. Yeah. Because he just did not fly off the handle. Oh yeah. He's like, you want me to walk around with a pot of shit? I'll do it. I'll do it. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll take your fucking job though. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll do it. Then I'll make someone else walk around with a pile of shit because I see how you're getting me mm-hmm. to do it. Then I'll make sure that your most famous book goes out of print. Yeah. Haha. Oh, this guy. <laughs> this goddamn guy. All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week. For this week. We're going to conclude it next week, no matter how goddamn long it takes. Mm-hmm. Doing it. Might be a long one, but Might it'll be a long be a, one. It'll be a fun question mark one. I think so. <laughs> Even yeah. though it's still going to be shitty. Right. It's uncomfortable, but it's important. But there's, there's going to be something. There's some revelations. Yeah. There's some cool revelations. Well, thank cool you. Cool vibrations. Cool vibes. Yeah. Uh, go listen to Don't Stop Till You Get Enough again. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. <laughs> All right. Follow us on the things. Follow us on we Twitter. Twitter. We got at Instagram. Twitter at Nonsense Bizarre. I'm at Sequoia Kennedy. You'll figure it out. Just go to Willow Truman. You, Willow you, Truman. You can find us. We're on the Instagram at, at the Nonsense Bazaar, and we have a Patreon. We do. We just launched. Yeah, it. and I want to thank everybody who you know has already shown support for our fledgling project. It, it means a lot to us, even just the fact that you're listening. It's really the cool. Absolute world. Go to Patreon.com/slash the Nonsense Bazaar and sign up today. Thank you. We love you. Take care. You do. Take care. Peace. Peace.